3: I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long and what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Ah, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint chew. Go. Put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off.
4: This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
1: It, so, I want you to imagine something. And I've never hesitated as much to say that as I am right now because it's Monday morning. We are all beginning what's about to be a long, two-week, stressful, tense stretch before the election. You know, we'll keep it light, we'll laugh, but I just, (sighs) full disclosure, you know, I gave you honesty here on the show. I did a bunch of prep and stuff like that for this, this weekend, just trying to make sure my T's are crossed and I's are dotted however I almost pulled the plug on this history story as I walked down the hall to sit down in the chair I'm talking two minutes ago I almost pulled the plug on it, but I didn't do it and I will tell you it was a moment of clarity for me I will never do it and the reason I almost pulled the plug on it is, A, like I just said, it's Monday. I like to, I'm a big, I'm a, beliefs, I'm a big set the tone guy, huge set the tone guy. I believe it's gigantic. Gigantically important. You know, the first thing you say to your spouse when you get home is, Hi, I love you. I missed you. How was your day? You never, ever, ever greet them with, did you see what the kids did today? It's a tone thing. You pick your hot lady up on a date, first words, nice words, set the tone. And I don't like to set a dark tone for what's going to be a tense week. So that was A. And B, I was thinking about the kids. Now, I know that you know I am a monster of a human being. I don't pretend to be. Otherwise, I'm an unfeeling Monster. However, I do love it that so many of you listen with your kids. And I will always do a show you can listen to with your kids. This is a little disclaimer for this show. Maybe it's because this is recent enough that everybody knows a guy who knows a guy. Maybe it's because it's been covered so much. It's not as if what I'm about to talk about is gorier than Genghis Khan. But this may be a little heavy. We are going Holocaust today. I've never really done like a big one on this particular part of World War II. Not the Holocaust part, but this specific part. I've never done it. And there's just not a way to do it that is... Look, you use your own discretion for your kids. I would not hesitate to say this stuff in front of my kids. In fact, I watched a documentary as part of it in front of my kids. Made them watch it. But you handle your own. You know, I don't do the the adult-themed stuff. However, I'm not going to hold back on the reality of what happened. All that said, I want you to imagine something. I want you to picture your next-door neighbors. Just just one. Just focus on one. Your next-door neighbors. You got them in your mind? Now, I want you to imagine walking outside of your home, seeing all of them dead on the sidewalk, walking over to them, saying a prayer for them, and then stripping them of their clothing so you can put it on before you walk back into your home. And the reason I want you to imagine this is the things I'm going to describe today happened to the next-door neighbor, to the sister to the husband, brother, child, and they happen to people just like you or I. And when I say just like you or I, this is what I mean. You are blessed to live in a relatively civilized country. You're a person who does a normal job, as far as normal goes, and live a normal existence. Maybe you work in a ditch. Cool. Maybe you're a CEO. Awesome. Small business owner, school teacher, lawyer, doctor. Maybe you turn wrenches for a living. But you eat three square meals a day, drink clean water, live in a home of some value, whether you're renting it or not, apartment of some kind, and you live in a civilized first-world society. Probably go to church or synagogue on Sunday or in the very least on Christmas time. I see you. I see you. You say hi to people. You eat donuts. You have a beer on Friday night. You live a normal life. And because of that life you live, you are conditioned a certain way. I don't want to say a life of comfort because that's such a catch-all. Life comes with all kinds of hardships, but really, it's a life of comfort, isn't it? As you you well know, the things I've been through in my life, I still have a life of comfort, period. As I believe we all do. And then take your life, set it aside for a moment, and go to some war-torn dump. Somalia, Yemen, Afghanistan. And you think about the people over there who've really ever, only ever known tragedy and war. You grow up with an AK-47 beside you. When you're three years old, you're walking by a fully loaded one. Losing relatives is not some earth-shattering tragedy. Let's bring everybody in from everywhere for a funeral. Losing relatives is what they call Saturday. It's just life. And so they're conditioned a certain way. Part of, and this is only a small part, but I'll be honest, part of what the, these things we're going to talk about today, part of what makes them so gut-wrenching is these were people in civilized countries with jobs, families, synagogue, hi, hello, recreational, uh, recreational community centers. They went swimming. They lived their lives were your life. And when I say your neighbor, I mean that. They woke up one day, and we'll go over how that slowly happened, but one day they woke up and they were in hell. Imagine that transition. Not that that's easy for the guy in Somalia, but the guy in Somalia has at least been conditioned to that. It's quite a transition. Let's rewind just a little before we get to this part, though. Jews, as you well know, killed Jesus, Chris. Now, now in all seriousness. That was a creation. Everybody knows I'd like to give Chris crap about that. That was a part of the anti. Sem- Semitic anti Jewish mentality for a long time in Europe and it manifested itself in a lot of different ways. Again, that was just part of it. That was more early on, I would say. I mean, you're talking pre 1000, that was a bigger part of it. And, and look, we don't think about it today. I mean, I can joke about it because I, I don't, this was years ago. I mean, I don't care, but they weren't joking back then. They were very much not joking back then. When you think about the foundations of Christianity and how Christianity is growing so rapidly, and there's still, I mean, think about the year 200, 300. You're not that far removed from those people killing Jesus. It was a big deal.
4: Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so?
1: Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. You need some gold in your portfolio. And normally, normally, you know, I don't tell you now, now, now. I don't do that. I don't like doing that. And I'm not necessarily saying that now. Allow me to put this as delicately as I can possibly put it. We have an election coming very, very soon. And I'm not doing this thing. well, if this guy wins, it'll be fine. And if this guy wins, the market's going to collapse. However, please look at your history books. If the election goes the wrong way in the minds of investors, that stock market may be real low the next morning. Get a gold IRA from Gold Alliance Now, not later. Now, go to goldalliance.com slash Jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash Jesse. Just There's a little Jewish resentment from Romans, from Christians. That's really where this goes back to. Because remember, this whole Jewish-Christian split was during the Rome heydays, so on and so forth. But let's set that aside and fast forward a bit for the purposes of our story today to European anti-Semitism. A lot of it is based on Catholicism. I don't care if you write me emails when you're Catholic and and you're mad. I don't care that that that's a it's true. You don't have to get mad about it. The Catholics at that time did not believe in loaning money with interest at all, and they weren't allowed to do it. Jews were allowed to do it. Now it should be noted that it was a cause of resentment that Jews didn't loan to each other with interest. What they did was obviously this is this is where the whole Jewish banking stereotype came out because they were allowed to to loan with interest, and they were frankly barred from a lot of the good jobs in society because of the anti-Semitism. So I mean, oh, you, the only thing you're allowed to be is a banker. You're going to be all, oh, okay, well that works. So they would loan money with interest, but they couldn't loan money. They didn't loan money to each other with interest. So once you start loaning out a bunch of it and people owe you a bunch of money, and then remember, remember what comes with loaning money. I mean, it's more than just the average every day. Oh, could I have a loan for a home? Yes, you may. Here you go. Here's your money back with interest. Things happen. Life happens. Maybe you're irresponsible. Maybe you screw up. Maybe. Those Jews have to knock on your door one day and say, we're taking your home from you. Now you're out on the street. Now what are you thinking about them? Plus, your neighbor was telling you how the Jews control all the money anyway, and they just came and kicked you out. Oh, did you hear what happened to Marty? Are you seeing how this can grow? And... They were often segregated wherever they were. In all fairness, we're going to be real fair today because I have some harsh words for everybody in this story, including some of the Jews. In fairness, they did segregate themselves a lot, too. I actually don't have a problem with this. Now, it's not not, what I'm saying. I don't have a problem with them. Segregating themselves. I'm not saying I'm glad they're over there. I'm saying I believe cultures in general are better off when they segregate themselves lots of the time. Why wouldn't you live, work, and worship around other people who share your values? I don't want to be surrounded by people who don't share my values. I'm not in my neighborhood for religious reasons or skin color reasons, but uh, I am, am. I am in my neighborhood on purpose. I moved to that town on purpose. I moved to that neighborhood in that town on purpose because I wanted to make sure I did live around certain kinds of people and didn't live around others. Not based on religion or skin color, more based on the schools and there's a church close by. And you know what I mean? Communities have values. That's what I wanted for my community, period. But it only added, okay, they're, they're the ones loaning out on the money. They're not loaning it to each other. Now they're now they're keeping to themselves. They have different worship. They don't go to church. You are these people synagogue. They even look a little different. Some of them, depending on orthodox or not, I'm not going to go into all that today. Now, I wasn't talking about the noses, Chris. What's wrong with you? I actually don't know. Is that true? Chris says it is. Okay, well, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. I didn't know that. Whatever. Doesn't matter. So that resentment turns into I don't want to call it soft bigotry but it turns into just kind of a well they're over there and that's fine. But political leaders being what they are will on occasion expose that and they will have these horrific I mean if you ever read into the details of details of a pogrom or pogrom it is It's unimaginable. I'll just give you a brief, just briefly, here's what it would be. Let's say you have a town. I'm in Houston. Let's say this is Europe, and there's a a big Jewish part of town, and the mayor gets involved in some scandal, which would not be out of the question here for Houston, but the mayor gets involved in some scandal. It's cop taking a bribe, and he's trying to fade the heat, as the kids say, take the heat off him. Well, who doesn't love a good Jew bashing? So he gets up on television and says, you know who actually took the money was the same people who've been screwing you over, those Jews, and they'll push things like a one-night, two-night, one-week-long pogrom where people will storm into the Jewish neighborhood armed and beat, murder, assault the women in terrible ways. I'm talking just show up for a few days at a time and kill 100 of them, 200 of them, and just terrorize a living hell. And sometimes they would take place so often the Jews would have to move. They'd move to other countries. They'd move to other places. And I don't want to single out any European nation for this. This was all over Europe, Russia. This was pogroms were the norm. It's part of why, It's part of what created that beginning of Israel again of we got to get out of here. Everybody is really not pleasant to us. We have to go get our own thing going. I want you to be clear about the pre-Nazi stuff because I think so much of our history is simplified and and we like to act like, well, Hitler's the one that came up with this anti-Jewish. That is not the case. There would have been no audience for that if there wasn't already some sort of a baseline for it. There was a baseline for it. And these Nazis are rising to power. Remember, the Nazis rose to power really slowly. I believe in the first vote, they had like Congress there. It's kind of weird. I don't know if they still have it this way, where it's a bunch of different parties, and whoever has the most gets really the most control, and the Nazis only had like 2% of control first time. They were kind of these wingnuts, these post-World War I wingnuts. Man, they really do not like Jews, and they were very vocal about that. They do not like Jews but they're very nationalistic, pro-Germany. Germans are the best, and that was appealing to Germany at the time. Let me be clear about this, too. This whole murder all the Jews thing is not something that was vocalized early on, and there's almost no indication very early on that that's what Hitler even wanted to do. That's not some Hitler defense. The actual mass death camps... They didn't fire up till way later, way later. As you'll see in our story today, which I'm going to get to eventually, I promise. As you'll see in our story, sometimes it just starts with, be gone. All right, you won't be gone. Stay here. All right, you won't stay here. We'll shoot you if you don't stay there. All right, uh, now we have to figure out what to do. That's really how it came to be. Nazis rise to power. I don't need to break down all of that for you but they signed this agreement with the Soviet Union. You're going to take this much of Eastern Europe. I'm going to take that much of Eastern Europe. We'll split it right down the line. And Hitler's vision at this time, yes, it was anti-Semitic. There's no question. He was very vocal about that. He wasn't hiding it. But he that was not his overarching goal at this time. His overarching goal at this time was something they called breathing room for the Germans, the German people. Germany, even though it's a huge country, Germany's is very big. The German people back then, I don't know if this is the case today, probably not, back then were, I mean, fertile, to put it mildly. And that I'm not trying to be vulgar, they just their population growth was absurd. They encouraged it. Their tax laws encouraged it. Every part of their society, their culture, which is actually a really cool thing when your culture promotes things like this, their culture was get married, have kids. Get married, have kids. That's what they wanted. And they were doing it. Doing it. (laughs) Quit, Chris. Hang on. Home title theft. Remember that. Write it down. I got a crash course in home title theft. And let me tell you something. You don't ever want one. Not ever do you want one. Your home title, it's kept on the cloud. It's kept on servers. It's kept on the internet. If it's on the internet, it can be hacked. And they figured out, these cyber thieves have figured out how to do it. And it's easy for them. It's not like they figured out how to do it and only a couple guys can. They figured out how to do it, and this is the easiest money these cyber thieves have ever had. Protect yourself from it. And there's only one way to protect yourself from it. It's Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up. Sign up before it happens. After ain't going to do you any good. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code RADIO. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. Nazis come into power. They want breathing room because they are breeding like rabbits. They feel, remember, this goes clear back to World War I. They feel like they've earned a little more territory than they have. And there's a bit of an axe to grind, to put it mildly, as to how that World War I thing shook out in the end. Treaty of Versailles and all that. Remember they all met... They all met and decided, Germany, it's all your fault. World War I's your fault. You will pay for everything. You will give up huge parts of your economy, and you have to pay everything back, and it it wiped out Germany. Along comes this man, Adolf Hitler. Remember, before the Holocaust, before The word of what was happening got out, and before, frankly, a lot of it started happening, Hitler was Time's Man of the Year, and he was Time's Man of the Year for a reason. Along comes this guy talking about the greatness of Germany and German people, and you're the best, and they suck, and screw them, and we're doing what we want, and their economy starts churning and burning, and they're rising up. And a lot of the horrible things Hitler's doing are staying relatively quiet. Hitler also, oh, by the way, Treaty of Versailles and one of the all-time saltiest moods. Remember, they made the Germans sign that thing in a train car. Well, post-World War I, France had taken that train car and put it up in a museum After Hitler defeated France, he had them, he made them go get the train car out of the museum and sit it down to sign their surrender to Germany in the exact same train car. That, Hitler or not, is some weapons grade salt right there. I've got a sodium overload just thinking about that. Germany's rising. Hitler hates Jews. Hitler. At this point, and this is where we're going to get to some of the Jewish mistakes and some of the world mistakes, Hitler's vocal about this. He wants them out. He is not out there saying kill them. He's certainly not going to cry in his Nazi Cheerios if one of them dies, but he wants them deported. He is running an aggressive campaign to deport them. Get out. He wants them gone. This man really believes it. A lot of the Jews obviously didn't know, didn't listen to what was being said, didn't heed the warnings, and stayed. And if I have to defend them, which is not difficult to do, how easy would it be for you? to pack up and move to another nation. Not another not across the street, another country. Sell your home, lose your job, lose your career and leave because ah man, this new this new head of Germany seems he really doesn't like us. I mean, I'm sure he's not going to do anything though, right? He's talking about deporting us though. Should we leave? But many Jews did try to leave and this is where the shame of other nations including ours comes up. We turned them back. People understandably, I should say, again, in our defense and everyone else's, people understandably distrust refugees. They distrust people, Jews, Muslim, or otherwise, who show up en masse. Somebody shows up at your doorstep tonight, starving. Asking if they can please come in for a glass of water and a piece of bread. You're obviously going to use your best judgment, but there's a good chance you do that, right? A hundred people show up tonight asking for a piece of bread and water to come in. You're going to be a little more hesitant than you were with one. Uh, Yeah. When people show up in mass, it's easy to say no. Again, we didn't know either. The Jews are trying, many of the Jews are trying to leave Europe. And I I I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do very much all-encompassing stuff today because they were all over the map. There were Jews all over the place trying to leave Europe. There were Jews, let's just be on it honest about this, very 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 naive who thought this was all just going to pass over and they should stay. There were Jews who were saying, "Get to Israel now." You need to go to Israel now. And maybe something to keep in mind for the future in your life, in politics. Many of those guys who were saying, get to Israel right now. We need our own place. This is getting bad here. They were shunned as wingnuts, conspiracy theorists. Who is this nutball over here? Doomsday, Mr. Doomsday Prophet, get to Israel, okay. Looks awfully smart now, but the history books don't lie. Actually, I take that back. History books lie all the time. The actual history doesn't lie. A lot of fellow Jews looked at these guys like, oh, gosh, here, he co- here comes Gary again, warning about the evil Germans. It was There was a lot of that, a lot of it. So they're all over the map. The Nazis storm into Poland, back to what we were talking about, because they'd signed a, a non-aggression thing with Russia. They're going to get, the Soviet Union can have so much Eastern Europe, the Germans going to take the other part, they're going to split Poland. Part of splitting Poland was Warsaw was going to become completely in Nazi possession. And this is where our story takes place. Warsaw is an interesting place. I don't want to act like Poland was Jew heaven. But Warsaw itself really was. It's not as if everything was normal for Jews there, that they had a gigantic Jewish population in Warsaw. Of the 3 million Jews in Poland, 2 million came under Nazi control when the Nazis took over, and so many of them were centralized in Warsaw, and it was just the most accepting community, and the Jewish community was gigantic there in synagogues and shops. It was it was a place they could really be, and that's part of the reason so many Warsaw Jews stayed. Why would I go to Israel? We finally have something here. We have something that's working out really good. Again, I don't want to point fingers because how easy would that be for me? I got a great job, great house, great neighborhood. Okay, some commie gets elected, starts talking about, I'd like to right lock up the right-wingers. How much does he have to talk about that before I quit my job and sell my home and move to Australia? Probably a lot, right? A lot. A lot. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the human mind and what you'll convince yourself of. But the Jews, especially in Warsaw, I mean, not that you can't sympathize with all of them. You really got to sympathize with them. They did Why would they leave? Why would I leave? I'm here. Life is finally, I mean, outside of Israel, and even it wasn't great in Israel at this time. These are early days. These are early days. I mean, you could make the argument, maybe I'm wrong here. If uh, one of my Jewish listeners or, or historians, feel free to correct me on this because I'm doing this this part off the cuff. You could probably make the argument pre-Nazi occupation that Warsaw is the best place in the world for a Jew to live. Chris, do you, is, that, is that out of the line? Might, you could make that argument. Again, making it harder for the Jews in Warsaw. And they were hearing the warnings, and don't believe for a second Jews didn't know about the Nazi uh, thoughts on Jewish people. They knew. They knew they aided them. But Jews, it wasn't abnormal for them to be disliked. Okay, the, these guys dislike us more. Oh, not the end of the world. This too shall pass. How much had they seen pass by this point in time? Nazis take over. And now we're going to get to some really hard stuff. Some stuff that actually makes people uncomfortable, even about people you're rooting for. Hang on.
4: Jesse Kelly show on air and online at jessekellyshow.com
5: you're never completely ready to adopt a teen
4: for
6: late nights writing English papers
5: For your teens music taste
6: for dinners where they talk more on their phone than with you
5: for the first time they call you mom
6: you're never completely ready to adopt a teen and you can't imagine the reward
5: to learn more about adopting a teen Visit AdoptUSKids.org.
6: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids,
7: and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now, so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: The Nazis roll into town. They don't want Jews running around anywhere. The Nazis want these Jews set aside. They do not want them as part of their society. Period. Remember, we are pre-Russian invasion at this point, so we're not quite at that stage, at least now when they first storm in there, we're not quite at that stage of the Nazi Einsatzgruppen, You've probably heard that name before, the Einsatzgruppen, Chris, you have not. The Einsatzgruppen was this. Poland, Russia, so on and so forth. The Nazis needed men who would kill Jews and gypsies on the spot. Round them up and murder them. Understand. The Nazi army, the German army, was not full of... Of a bunch of card-carrying, Jew-hating Nazis. There were plenty in there. There were plenty in there. However, these were men who grew up German, wanting to fight for Germany. Not wanting to... I mean, you ask a normal person from a civilized society. It was a pretty Christian society. You ask somebody to start shooting women and children and old men... You're going to have a problem there. And they knew that. They weren't under the impression you could just tell the average German soldier, uh, go kill all those Jews. That's a problem. So they went and selected men, sadistic men, to form separate Einsatzgruppen units. They would follow along with the army units. Once an army unit took over a place the Einsatzgruppen guys would step in and say, okay, thanks, we've got it covered here, and then they would go through and do so many of the horrific things you've heard about, mass executions of Jews and such. I'm not trying to see, when I say that, sometimes it sounds like I'm saying, well, none of the not, none of the German troops supported this or knew about it, people. As we're going to find out in different circumstances today, word travels. They knew about it. The German troops knew about it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like they should have stood up and led a rebellion. Maybe they should have, but they knew. They maybe weren't participating. They knew about it. So these Einsatzgruppen guys, set them aside. Back to Warsaw. You want all the Jews set aside. Well, think about an army stomping into a place and you want to get rid of certain people or set certain people aside, stereotypes aside that Chris tells me are true about the noses, how are you supposed to spot a Jew? It's one thing if they're wearing that thing on their head, that cap or doing the sideburns thing. What are those called, Chris? The long curly ones? Or have or have the locks. I mean, it, I mean, it's easy to identify someone like that. But there are a million. Chris isn't sitting there with that stuff on right now. I, I have tons of Jewish friends who don't have that stuff on. So, how are you going to find them? Now, it's about to get uncomfortable here. How are you going to find them? You want to set these people aside? They understand you're not trying to set them aside for a foot massage. How are you going to find people who don't want to be found? Other poles. Sometimes other Jews. Line them up hundred at a time. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just if you wouldn't mind, point out point out who the Jews are in here. Their neighbors. Their friends. Sometimes their own people. You, 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 you. These are the Jews. Story gets uncomfortable and it's not about to get better. Now you're the Nazis. You're trying to herd these Jews into one part of town. And you want them to be... Willingly doing this, not because you're a nice guy, because it makes everything easier if they're doing this on their own. Remember, Warsaw is a city, a modern city, lots of places to hide and go. It's much easier on everybody if they just go on their own. So you start a Jewish commission. Did you know that there was a Jewish slash Nazi commission that worked together in Warsaw? I'm not going to indict everybody on that Jewish commission. There are a couple guys, at least one I know of, wrote this incredible diary on there about how he was on there doing everything he could do to help. He's trying to help his people at this point. So it's not, I, I, this is not that time where I'm pointing fingers. I'll point fingers today, but I mean, guys like this guy. He's trying to do what he can. He's there lobbying. You know, he's on the Jewish Nazi commission and the Nazis are working with him. Uh, Hey, Adam, we need you to have these people over here. Go ahead and have those people there. And he's treated like crap, obviously, because he's a Jew. But being on that commission does give him more of a voice than others. I know you've only given us this much. Could we maybe have this extra block? Could we maybe have that? He's he's lobbying Right now, and these people have been demonized who were on this Jewish commission by several people I've read. Let's remember this. Let's remember this really well. They weren't carting people off to the gas chambers yet. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't. Hang on. they began to herd the Jews in Warsaw into what you now know as the Warsaw ghetto. Yes, we throw that word ghetto around all the time today. Normally, that's a word pointing out the poor black or hispanic neighborhoods in big US cities. You know, you you know what you're picturing when I say ghetto, housing projects, gangs, poverty, Ghetto had a different meaning back then. It didn't really have that meaning back then. But they heard 400,000 Jews into an area 1.3 square miles. If you break down the math on that, that equals seven people per room in that part of Warsaw. They heard them in there, and then it gets worse. Hang on. 400,000 Jews in a 1.3 square mile area of Warsaw, and I have to tell you, these people did all right for themselves. It is, and one of the underrated parts of the story, in my opinion, I was, I was, and remained so impressed by this. You see, the Nazis did things like they banned schooling for Jewish children. You were not allowed to school. these. The Jewish schools were shut down. These kids were not allowed to attend school. If you tried to give them school, you'd be shot. They gather all these Jews in this area, put up a wall. It's really weird. This is one of those small parts of history that bother me, but it's okay. It's, it's, I've learned to live with it. I probably read three or four things that said they put up a 10-foot wall. With razor wire on it. And you can go look at it right now. They have pictures of it. And then I've read two or three that said it's a 13 foot wall. And I know that's a tiny difference and it doesn't matter, but nobody knows how tall the freaking wall was. Was it 10 feet or 13 feet? Whatever. They walled them in. And maybe maybe you're right, Chris. Maybe it was different heights in different areas. they walled they walled, they walled this area off. I don't wanna I don't wanna give you the impression that it was ah, if you guys could just stay here, it'd be fine. No, they're there. And then they start to starve them to death. When I say starve them to death, I mean the average Nazi soldier. You see, armies are fanatical about figuring out what mass groups of people need. As, I, as we've said a thousand times, that old saying, I stole that I didn't come up with, but I don't know who did. Amateurs study tactics, professionals study logistics. Napoleon's great line, an army runs on its stomach. You put a bunch of men together, you had better figure out how to fuel them with food. And these freaking Germans were so organized, because they're German, they knew the average Nazi soldier consumed 2,600 calories a day. That's what we're giving our average Nazi soldier. If you were in this Jewish ghetto, you were living on virtually nothing. You were living on a piece of stale bread, gross soup. Of course, their bread was made with things like wood shavings. If they ever got meat, it was rancid because you're not giving these people you view as subhuman anything decent— and you're fighting a war all over the place. You are, you are stretched thin on resources. You wouldn't be treating these people well if you had money to blow. You don't have money to blow? Now you're treating them like crap. Now you're starving them to death. Now you've cut off their school. Now you've cut off anything. But back to the good part of this story, really, really cool. How the Jews organized and supported themselves in this ghetto, I think is I think it's a real testament to them, to be honest with you. You can tell a lot about people by how they are when the chips are down, not when they're good when the chips are down. You can tell a lot about a culture, really, to be frank. One of the shameful parts of the like the Russian Gulag system is it's famous for people being terrible to each other, absolutely terrible to each other collectively as a group. Obviously, there are great stories of heroism, but as a group, people were awful to each other. Stealing each other's food, gang hierarchies. I mean, and gosh, the women, the things they would do to the it just is terrible. This Warsaw ghetto, the Jews, they start organizing secret schools for the children. They start organizing recreational programs so people can stay sane because we're not talking about a month here, years. They start organizing hospitals that weren't even legal to try to treat illness. Now let's go to illness for a moment. The body needs food because food is fuel, and when the body doesn't have it, people get sick. And not only were these Jews here starving – Now they're getting sick, really, really, really sick without great medical care. In order to get the medical care they needed, in order to get the food they needed to survive, because frankly, none of them would have made it. The Jews began, and I always thought this was really cool. Someone should do a movie on this. They began one of the coolest, most aggressive smuggling campaigns you've ever seen in your life because the Poles, the Poles actually didn't just lay down for the Nazis and the Germans either. I'm going to do a show on this. The Polish underground was this vast network of just underground freedom fighters. They were out to kill Nazis and Russians and they eventually link up with these Jews the Jews are needing things too. And they're doing things like underground tunnels. They're traveling back and forth in the sewer system. They're sending out children because children aren't suspected. And children are small enough to sneak around. They're sending out children for food and medical supplies trying to survive. And people are starving to death. I mean, they, they estimate 100,000 people plus Starved to death or died of disease. You know, you're just wasting away in here. But they are clawing and scratching and trying to stay alive. They don't have materials. They didn't have money. Which is back to our beginning story. Oftentimes, when people died, sometimes two or three would die in a night in one family. They would haul them out. Your neighbor lay them in a neat line on the sidewalk as respectfully as possible, strip them of all of their clothing because everyone needed it. Clothing was in tatters. And then the undertaker would come by, undertakers, and load them up onto carts. You can see pictures and video of this too. Load them up onto carts and haul them out to try to bury them as respectfully as possible. How's that for a living nightmare? Now, as the war is progressing, the Nazis are killing inhuman amounts of Jews now. Uh, Lots of their Jewish killing is in, lots of their Jew killing is in taking place in the Soviet Union. We're not going to go over that today. We've gone over that a thousand times. The Nazis could have been greeted as liberators because most of the Soviets hated Stalin, who was a turd. And then these freaking idiot Nazis show up and they start killing all the Jews and everyone else. And then they're like, well, screw you too. Be that as it may, the Nazis figure out we're in a winner-take-all situation. We're never going to be able to deport or get rid of these people. They have a meeting, and it is it is almost beyond belief that this took place, that this is the moment in time. I would love to be a fly on the wall and witness this meeting. They have a high-up meeting with all these Nazi officials What are we going to do with the Jews? And at this meeting, it is decided, well, let's just find a way to efficiently kill all of them. It's not like this was one or two rogue guys. This was the heads of state. This was all of them. They're just like, well, all right, well, let's just get rid of all of them. And somebody, I mean, who signs off It's one thing to have a war crime here or a war crime there or war crimes all over the place. Maybe you have a bad culture. Maybe you don't have good officer control. But when it's from the top down, it is beyond belief. Okay, so you want them all dead. Warsaw is a great place to go. They already have a camp, Treblinka. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's about 50 miles outside of Warsaw. Germans, because they're Germans, come up with an extremely organized system to get rid of them. First, you got to get them there, then you got to get rid of them. Two big problems. Hang on,
4: feeling a little stocky.
1: Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. While I'm talking, I want you to go to hometitlelock.com and register your address. Just register your address. I want you to see if you're already a victim of home title theft, and you might be. You very well might be. That's that's really the devastating problem with this crime. Until you start getting collection calls, notices in the mail. You don't know. You don't know. And think what that would be like. Going to the mailbox one day, opening it up, opening up a letter and finding out you're delinquent on a loan you didn't take out. You would be so confused. I mean, you hear these stories of people who are going through this right now and it's awful because confusion's always the first thing that sets in. Wait, what? Did my wife do this? Did did my husband take this out? That would suck. Go to hometitlelock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Do not forget to use the code RADIO. Get you 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com. got triplenka you've got this gas chamber system set up there we're not going to go into all that today you know roughly how that worked anyway but first you got to get them there well let's get them on train cars but how do you get them on train cars who is going to volunteer to be on the next nazi train out of town This is where it gets really subhuman. And let's be honest, with the really hard stuff at first, you see it's easy to dump on Nazis, and you should every chance you get. It's a little more difficult to dump on some of the Jews. There were Jewish police officers doing Nazi bidding at this time. We don't talk about that today, but that's real. The Nazis recruited Jews to police other Jews and help them along in the hopes of, you know, favorable treatment. And I'm sure some of them, and this is undoubtedly true, because I already can think of a case where some were trying to help, you know, trying to get in and help from the inside. Some, though, trying to make life better. So you have the Jewish police. Also... The Nazis were starting to force Jews they had already deported to write postcards, basically just write letters back from the concentration camps, acting like they weren't at the concentration camps, saying, hey, man, you guys got to get on that train. Life is good over here. So they're running this disinformation campaign. And now... That's not the worst part. The worst part of it for me is this part because I think about this as a parent and as as a husband. I'm trying to imagine the feeling as a father watching my wife and kids starving to death. You've seen the pictures of people hungry. You've seen the pictures of Jews starving or other people starving around the world, the eyes sinking in. That, that look of desperation on their face. Now, that being your family, your kids, man, what would you do to get them some food? Anything, right? My boys, what if my boys, Dad, I'm hungry. What, what would you do in that moment, knowing your son's starving? Well, the Nazis knew it, too. And they started offering them loaves of bread and jam. If they would show up for deportation to people they had just starved. And, of course, so many did at first. At first, they showed up in droves. But word, as we talked about earlier, travels and you start packing enough people onto train cars, and remember that Polish underground is still out there, word starts getting back, these people are not going to Barbados. These people are going to die in camps. But still, so many people didn't believe it. So many didn't believe it. So many still went down to be deported because... Wasn't it unbelievable? Who would believe something like that? Who had ever even heard of something like that? And you see, I mean, I was watching a couple documentaries. These survivors of it, person after person after person was taught. They were talking about this of who would believe it. No one believed it. It'll pass. It's gonna pass. This will pass over. This will. This will. This will. We'll get by this. But they weren't getting by it. Soon, over 80% of the ghetto is gone, deported. But what you have left is something different. You see, the people who were doing the best with the starvation were who? Young, specifically males. Those are the physically strongest people in any given society. Young males are also full of testosterone and idealism. And young males, there's a reason those are the ones who fight and die for you in every war ever, and everybody. These young Jewish males, not quite as passive as some of the others. They're forming underground groups. They're starting to form violent underground groups. And these these guys are my guys right here. You read some of these stories, one guy, one guy and his woman. They go in, they smuggle their way into the Warsaw ghetto. This young Jew and his woman, they smuggle their way in just to kill Nazis. And they're one of like 34 of these people to survive him and his woman at the end. We get these guys, four or five, 600 of them. We don't know numbers. And they start organizing a resistance. And they start working with that Polish underground, knowing they know they're going to die. And they start working with that Polish underground. It's not just bread and medicine coming in now, Jack. It's handguns. It's materials for Molotov cocktails. It's a few rifles. It's mines. It's things like that. And these people decide, oh, we're going to die hard. And they're doing extra prep, too. They're making bunkers. They're making tunnels. They're making entire underground living areas you can see pictures of to this day with ventilations for the stoves. They're essentially fortifying this ghetto. These few hundred young Jews still hungry getting ready to take on the Nazi war machine from within the ghetto. The Nazis are not unaware that they are about to have a problem on their hands. They realize they've deported all the, and this is going to be way more insulting than what I mean it to be, they've deported all the low-hanging fruit. Everybody easy to get out, they've gotten out. They're aware, or they are aware, we're probably going to have an issue of some kind with the people who are still left, because now they're at that point, they're giving orders. You will show up, and they're not showing up. People aren't showing up anymore. Well, they decide to start sending in troops and the Nazi high commander, they're starting to breathe down the neck of the Nazis who are there. Why is this Warsaw ghetto not empty? I've ordered this emptied. What are you doing? These are Jews. These people are rats. These are scumbags. You're the Nazis. You should have them out. And the Nazis on the ground are trying to say, you don't understand these guys. They're fortified. They've got weapons. We're trying. But, you know, you have to follow orders. They tell you to to clear out the ghetto. You go clear out the ghetto. They march in there, and they get absolutely slapped around and stunned on the first day. These Jews, they set off a mine right underneath them first day. They didn't even know they had mines. They detonate a mine, start capping off at them with handguns. Now, they're way outgunned here. Let me clarify. These are not great weapons they're dealing with. And the Nazis, the Nazis had great weapons. Great stuff. I mean, German engineering. You know how it goes. Well, the Nazis have to back away. And now there are Nazis getting fired. Are you kidding me? You had to run away from the Jews. You're fired. You're back in charge. You go back in. And they start going in. And they keep getting shot at. And the Jews are losing people too. These these, these Germans can fight. But the, the the Nazis keep having to retreat out. And then they're sending people in at night to go find these Jews. Only that's not working out well at all because the Jews are all waiting for them. And every single night, Nazis go in, and Nazis aren't coming back out again because these Jews are capping them all. I, I, that they haven't made a movie about the Warsaw ghetto uprising is just the most amazing thing in the world. Soon, the Nazis will not enter the ghetto anymore at night. They know you go in there at night, you're going to die. And they figure out that there's a bunker system and a tunnel system. All right, I went a little long. We got to do my guest real quick, then I'll finish this. Hang on. Gold has had value forever, will continue to have value long after you and I are dead and gone. It is a precious metal. It is not subject to the whims of elections. Stocks, bonds. And you, you've never heard me say and never will hear me say, oh, get all your money out of the stock market. I'm not, I would never say that. I'm asking you to add a gold IRA as part of your portfolio, part of it. So if and when this market corrects itself from this bubble we have, you are not financially crushed. I don't, wa- I don't want you to watch years of your wealth buildup just be eliminated like that. That would be, oh gosh, that would be a lot. Get a gold IRA from Gold Alliance. Go to goldalliance.com slash That's goldalliance.com slash jesse and go there soon. Joining me now, as he does every single Monday at this time, Michael Malice, host of Your Welcome. Michael, I actually didn't finish my history story before I got to you today, so I guess I should probably ask you about it, because if memory serves me, you are a Russian Jew. I may have that wrong. Please correct me if I am. And I'm doing my history story today on the Warsaw Ghetto, fascinating thing that virtually nobody knows about
9: uh yeah well i mean i'm I'm russian we're not polish so but we were right across you know the border over there Mm -hmm. yeah so that is a i think that is a story that is probably one of the uh few bright spots if you want to call it that um of of world war ii and it's a very inspiring and, and very unfortunate story yeah
1: yeah i mean look it's not as if there are really happy tales to tell from back then but if you have to try to dig for one kind of a cool little side story anyway this biden stuff yeah. Is it serious? Is it not serious? Are we going to find out how serious it is? I'm 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 trying to find a way to unpack this whole thing because it looks terrible for Hunter Biden personally, obviously. I don't think voters care about that. To be honest, I don't really care about that. You want to rip some lines of booger sugar off some Ukrainian hooker, that's your business. How does it apply to Joe? How does it attach to Joe?
9: Wait, is there booger sugar on the table? Because now you've got my interest. Um <laughs> But here's the thing. I don't really think it applies. uh, The 100 stuff is relevant in the sense that we know perfectly well that Biden and many other politicians cut these deals all the time. Uh, I don't know if it makes things any better or worse, frankly, if they're personally uh, benefiting from it. We all remember Obama you know, it was in 2012, had that hot mic with Medvedev, where he said, look, I'm going to be able to have a freer hand once I'm reelected. So I don't know that this is going to uh, affect people that much. We have Biden on tape, Jesse, I'm sure you remember this clip, where he's bragging about how, you know, until the Ukrainians or the Russians, whoever it was, did X, Y, and Z, He was going to tell Obama not to make a deal with them. So I I think when it comes to foreign affairs, people's eyes kind of glaze over, and they don't really care much. But if there is some sort of Anthony Weiner material on Hunter Biden's laptop, which is not impossible given what we know about his proclivities, it's not going to be that long until someone puts together a clip reel – Of Joe Biden talking about how much kids matter interspersed with him sniffing their hair. All
1: right. Briefly, these presidential debates, they already announced, of course, I know in the shock of the century, they're taking any foreign policy stuff off the table for the next debate. Surprise, surprise. As soon as all this stuff pops up and they're adding, you know, climate change, which no one cares about. No one's talking about right now. My overall question is this. How should the GOP handle these presidential debates? Not, not individual debate performance. I don't care about that. Should they accept them at all? Abolish them? I mean, how in the world do we allow ourselves to get set up and torpedoed every election? And it's just expected. Three debates, you will be debating the Democrat and the moderator every election, and we do it. Why? Why? We
9: remember very – I'm sure your listeners remember quite vividly some of them in 2012, not that long ago, when Candy Crowley, who was the the second moderator, I believe, between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama, announced, you know, I'm going to step in if I feel the need to step in. And people were complaining. They're like, you can't do that. You're the moderator. It's not your job. She's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And she did it. And then everyone's like, well, she said she was going to do it, and she Mm -hmm. did it. So I think there's a lot of – Uh, leverage that the Republican Party, which has seen the corporate press drop its mask in terms of its animus toward them, uh, to an unprecedented degree, I think, this year, they want to make sure this Trump election or any outsider, look at Bernie, can never happen again. So I think, you know, these people were floating, having Joe Rogan be the moderator. I don't know if that's the correct approach, but I do think I agree with you. They need to sit back and think and wonder... Are, is it going to cost us to say we're not doing debates in the form that they've been done before? Because it certainly seems like there is um, – when Chris Wallace is saying explicitly that critical race theory is just teaching people to be sensitive to immigrants and how you pronounce their name, you know, it, it's just completely untrue. But how are you supposed to explain that differently in one minute when he's the moderator?
1: So what do we need to do? Do we abolish them? Do we simply say, uh, you pick one moderator, I'll pick one? What has to be, because this is what we do every time. We get in these stupid negotiations, and we end up with still three debates, and instead of just a far-left, complete communist, you just get somebody, oh, just more on the socialist side, (laughs) moderating the debate, and we consider that a win. Oh, we, we remember, Republicans were celebrating Chris Wallace. Oh, he'll play it down the middle. At least he's a journalist. He was supposed to be the winner.
9: Yeah, it, it it was pretty egregious, um, and that debate was a, a calamity for you know everyone watching. But on the other hand, the vice presidential debate was masterful and and beautiful to see. And it, but in all fairness, in that debate, you saw the moderator very much from USA Today trying to do her best to swing it left, and Mike Pence, you know, with his You know, you know what I mean? Energy was not having it. And he ran that table. So I I think the other problem is when you have a debate with a candidate like President Trump, who is not really willing to sit there and be quiet because Tim talking over people has worked. I mean, they should have called him uh, Jeb Biden in that debate. It's tricky. It's tricky how you tell these people to kind of sit down and be quiet when it's a politician's job to talk as much as possible.
1: Michael, where are we as a country 50 years from now?
9: Oh, hopefully it'll be at least two separate countries. I mean, it, I mean, if you look at what America looked like 50 years ago, 1970, uh, which is you know Nixon's first midterm, it was completely unrecognizable. America was a nation full of despair. There was no hope. Uh, you know, heroin through the roof, and our cities were even worse than they are now. So I don't know what it's going to look like, what the world's going to look like in 50 years, but I'm very very hopeful, and I'm, I know you are as well.
1: I, I you know, I actually am. I, I just feel I feel like it's the natural course of events. Yes. I don't I obviously it's not something I'm cheering for, but I just feel like this is natural. When people act like that's such a radical thing to say, how ignorant of history do you have to be to think that's radical? That is a fact. You rise and you fall and you break up and people move on.
9: And, I mean, two Americas is better than one. I mean, there's no reason why we can't just compete on that level. But in all seriousness, the other thing I'm optimistic of, even as America doesn't break up, I'm very optimistic that the enemies that the good guys are fighting now are far weaker and far stupider than the enemies and less organized than the enemies we were fighting 50 years ago. And that is a should-be a reason for hope for everybody.
1: Who? What enemies?
9: I, I mean, the corporate press, mm-hmm. the universities, China... Uh, you know, off, off top of my head, uh, not in that particular order. Uh,
1: why are the why is the press so dumb? I will tell you that is one of the few things, and you've helped me see the light on that. As that one of the few things I take solace in is they're just dumb. I mean, they're not very capable. They all repeat the same. They nobody has an independent thought. They're just dumb. Why?
9: They've been trained since kindergarten. These are the people who are the hall monitors to be obedient and to have their sense of status and self-esteem be a function of, of following that mediocre person at the front of the room. They do well in school. Then they go to university where they're all trained the same thing, where they're given their agenda and they follow orders. And once they are in power to some extent, whatever power they might have, they are also talk to each other and are convinced themselves that we're the good guys and we don't need to listen to outside voices from our inferiors. And that is a very specific specific track, and that is a very dangerous track because they no longer have a monopoly on the microphone thanks to social media, and that's why they are full of such existential dread every single day, and they think it's a function of Trump, and they are so wrong.
1: Michael Malice, host of your Welcome. Thank you, my friend.
9: Thank you, Jesse. Take care.
1: It does give me hope. He has that great line. I forget what I should ask them to repeat it again about how we're just continuing to view journalists for what they are. And that's a benefit. It is. Hang on. We'll we'll finish our story.
4: This is the Jesse Kelly show.
3: Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. (gasps) You Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. Jesse. Jesse Kelly.
1: Germans aren't going in there at night. But now Germans are taking this problem very seriously. Orders have come down, empty that ghetto. And it should be clear the ZOB, that's the name of the group really running things in the ghetto, the resistance movement, a bunch of young dudes and women fighting back. They know they're all pretty much going to die. They're not under the impression otherwise. They're just, they knew they were going to die anyway. Germans start sending people in more prepared to do bunker clearing and such. And when I say more prepared, this is, I mean, this. It would be very, very ugly fighting. If you're going to root people out of underground bunkers, they would do things like fire flamethrowers into there, burn people alive. You had some of these Jewish fighters took their own lives at the end, which I know is a big no-no in Judaism Took their own lives just to deny the Germans the satisfaction of having killed them. Kind of salty. That's some weapons-level salt right there. (laughs) One story. I actually thought it was obviously sad, but kind of cool sad. One group of fighters would not come out. The Nazis gassed them. They started pumping poison gas down into these bunkers and gassing people. And... They never went and got them just because of the rubble and everything else. They're still there to this day, still entombed under there, having been gassed by the Nazis. Kind of cool. Eventually, in the end, only 34 of these fighters survived, and it took them months. And realized there were moments like they had run the Nazis out of town, out of their part of town, There were moments where they raised the Polish flag and the Star of David underneath it as a sign of victory, and they partied hard that night. This Warsaw Ghetto Uprising is one of the very little tragic but cool, bright spots in the war, and they all died. Like I said, only 34 of them lived. The ones who lived did things like escape out that smuggling sewer system and such. Some of them, some of them stayed and continued killing Nazis even after they were out. Just heroes, legends. And there were a million and one ways I was going to tie this into things we can see today in this world. I'm not going to do that. I'd like to let this one kind of stand on its own. But I will tell you in general, some lessons you and I really need to learn. When people tell you who they are and what they want, you really, really need to believe them. There is a, especially with religious people, I see this all the time from my fellow Christians we see look it's right here on display for you with Jews it's human nature especially with religious people to want to i don't want to see believe the i don't want to say believe the best in others but to not believe the worst in others even if they're out there telling you showing you you're getting reports no no maybe one or two We do that, sometimes it's out of cowardice, but I don't think that's mainly it. I I just think it's out of, you don't want to imagine people are like that, and the world works that way. But man, hear me now, the world works that way. If people are out there telling you they hate you, they want you gone, they want you in jail, they want this, believe them they, you don't use words, rhetoric like that unless you mean it all the way. Something else to keep in mind. Many of the people today who you may consider to be extreme, alarmist, the tales of history, including this one, show those people to be the correct ones almost every single time. Almost every single time. There were tons of leaders in the Jewish community saying, we need to leave now, early on. We have to get out. And within their community... They were often shunned. Ah, this freaking, here we go again with the panic mongering. It'll be fine. Just pay attention to what's happening around you at all times. And whatever society you continue to live in, pay attention. More than anything else, though, when people tell you what they think about you, what they think should be done to you, when they're when you're watching it on TV hearing about it on the radio believe them i'm not saying you need to go around thinking about the worst of everybody but at least believe them when they're telling you what they think hang on I saw this today and I I wasn't shocked at all. I'm seeing a lot of shocked reaction to it, but I wasn't shocked at all. This is it. This is from a Jonathan Chait with the New Yorker. Some leftist idiot journalist. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this. This is the headline of his article. The news media isn't biased against Trump. It's biased in his favor. I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want you to move past, as you're thinking about that, I want you to move past the, well, that's stupid. They're all against him, State. Forget about that. Think about it deeper than that. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That man sat down, wrote that article, wrote that headline. He believes it. You take a minute and think about, what does it tell you? I'll tell you what it tells me in a sec.
4: Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly show.
1: Jonathan Chait at The New Yorker says the American media is actually biased in Trump's favor. You need to understand this. Jonathan Chait believes that. I have heard this from lefty journalists after lefty journalist after lefty journalist. You, A normal American think that that's obviously insane. Anybody with eyes can see what's happened to the entire media, right? But hear me out. He's not saying that to be a troll. He's not saying that because he thinks you're stupid enough to believe it. He believes it. These people believe it. Leftism is not a political ideology. It is a religion of domination. When they look at a news media and they see 95% leftist ownership of it, they don't see 95% leftist ownership of it. They see 5% of the right still having a voice, and that 5% is all they care about. It disgusts them. How often... Do you hear about Fox News from a leftist? One channel on, on the main TV guide that everybody has. One channel where some shows, not even all of them, they have lefties all over Fox News now. One channel where they have some shows that are from the right and it is all leftists talk about with the media. Fox News is, they have every single other one, all the main networks, NBC, CBS, uh, ABC, they have CNN, they have MSNBC, they have everything else, they own it all. They don't even see that. They don't see it at all. And in fact, the ones that are left, which are basically all of them, and they're asking these far left questions at the debates, and every night or every night, even on the main news channels, there's the there are these you know whole segments about about totally stepping off of some lefty platform. Oh, here's today's climate change that happened under Trump and things like that. Jonathan Chade and people like that look at news segments like that and they think, oh man, that was way too fair to the right. That should have been way more in. They don't do halfway. Because no leftist at any point in history has ever done leftism halfway because it can't be done halfway in their minds. In order to put in this collective society they all really want, they must control all of it, every bit of it. Your work, your place of employment, your religion must go away. What you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say, what you're allowed to read, what you're... They don't do it. You know, when they were doing these things, guys like Pol Pot, guys like Pol Pot, when Pol Pot is is killing all the intellectuals in his country, he's having people executed when he finds reading glasses in their home. He's not doing it because he thinks he's evil. He's doing it because he thinks he's Right. And there's nobody more dangerous than the guy who thinks he's right. Nobody. Nobody. You think those Nazis? Gas and Jews by the thousand? 700 a day, in, or no, 700 an hour, I believe, in some places you think they all thought that was wrong? They didn't. Oh, I'm sure some of them did. But the guys leading the way, you ask every single one of those guys if he considered himself to be evil. We're looking at these guys as the most evil people to ever live, aren't we? I mean, aren't we? That's how we tell these tales. You hear these stories about today? These are the most evil people. Not a single one of these Himmler, Hitlers, Heydrichs, not a single one of these guys would tell you, oh, I'm evil. They would all tell you, every one of them. You can read what they wrote down. They're a force for good. They're trying to help. Well, we're trying to help Germans. We're trying to help Europe. What do you mean evil? Oh, well, maybe the communists are evil, certainly not us. Don't worry, we'll take care of that. Oh, the Jews are, but hey, we're helping you out there. You're welcome. You need to realize these people believe this. You know that Twitter still hasn't unlocked the New York Post account? The New York Post, one of the biggest newspapers in the country, it dared publish an article about Hunter Biden's emails. And I should note, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, not one of them have come out yet and said anything that's come out here has been false. Not a single one of them. One of the biggest big tech companies in the world has blocked that account from posting anymore until it deletes the article. The FBI, I'm staring at a headline right here from the Daily Caller, GOP Senator presses FBI director over handling of alleged Hunter Biden laptop. This is Ron Johnson. Senator Rod Johnson said in a letter on Saturday, the FBI has declined to provide insight into its handling of a laptop purportedly belonging to Hunter Biden. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the Federal Bureau of Investigation burying this, big tech burying this. The next debate, as you heard me talk to Michael Malice about it, just decided on a whim. You know, we're not going to address any foreign policy stuff. Why do you think they would do that? One, Donald Trump's the best foreign policy president of my lifetime. If you say he's not, you're lying to yourself. The guy's incredible. Two, it gives them a complete out. Anytime Donald Trump brings up this family's ties to China, it it gives the moderator an out to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No foreign policy. We sent that memo out ahead of time. We can't talk foreign policy. This is maybe another time. Remember, there are no more debates after this one. Maybe another time, but we can't talk foreign policy. That's foreign policy. That's for another debate. The efforts they've taken to amplify the tiniest thing from Trump and to bury damaging, damaging, damaging thing on Democrats, Do you know how hard it is to shock me? It's really, really, really hard to shock me. It has shocked me. It, it has shocked me how all in they've gone. And Twitter, Facebook, they keep doubling down. They keep blocking more things and more things and more things. They're not backing off. They are going all in. And I have people asking all the time, why why go all in still when these GOP senators are threatening them and whatnot? Two things. One, they know these spineless GOP senators aren't actually going to do anything. One. And two, leftists have a different mentality than you and I. It would never Occur to a leftist to not use their power. Well, of course, we're blocking it. There's an election coming up. What do you mean, don't block it? Leftists use their power. All right, we're going to do Medal of Honor Monday. We got a cool one. Hang on a sec.
5: Visit AdoptUSKids.org.
6: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad
7: Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now, so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad
4: Council. Jesse Kelly. Back soon.
1: A lot of Nazi talk today. Chris brought up why they look so cool. He's talking about, obviously, their uniforms and such. And they did look cool, don't they? Those freaking all-black uniforms with the with the long leather coats. I know you know what I'm talking about. Do you want to know why they looked so cool? The same reason ISIS, when they were putting out all those videos and they were killing everybody, ISIS went all in with the all-black with the flag, with the well-produced videos and music. How do you think they got so many young people to go join those subhuman barbarians? The Nazis understood it. The, The ISIS understood it too. Looking cool is something old people roll their eyes at, but young people love. It's appealing to look cool. Go do a little digging into Hugo Boss. Then you'll find out why Nazis looked so cool. The Nazis knew we have to sell this. They went and found professionals to make them look cool, and they did. How cool does that old Nazis, how good do those uniforms look? That's what evil looks like on purpose. You think they're going to come out and look ugly wearing skulls and things like that? That's what it looks like. Remember that. All right. Let's do a Korean War veteran. And this dude is a beast. U.S. Army for our Medal of Honor Monday. As you know, every single Monday, we do Medal of Honor Monday. Remember. The only way, in my opinion, we can properly honor these guys is to tell the, t- the tale of what they did. Continuously. Not only once. Continuously. Otherwise, this stuff gets forgotten. And if this stuff gets forgotten, then you forget who you are and where you came from. And if you do that, then these people can reshape you in anything they want. These men deserve to have their actions remembered. So I realize it's the only decent thing we do on this show that has any value, but we are going to read a Medal of Honor citation every Monday on this show. So now let us get to Korean War veteran David B. Bleak, U.S. Army. He was a sergeant. He was in medical company, 2nd Battalion, 223rd Infantry Regiment, 40th Infantry Division. This took place on June 14th, 1952 sergeant bleak a member of the medical company distinguished himself by conspicuous gallantry and indomitable courage above and beyond the call of duty in action against the enemy as a medical aid man he volunteered to accompany a reconnaissance patrol c- patrol committed to engage the enemy and capture a prisoner for interrogation forging up the rugged slope of key terrain The group was subjected to intense automatic weapons and small arms fire and suffered several casualties. After administering to the wounded, he continued to advance with the patrol. Nearing the military crest of the hill, while attempting to cross the fire-swept area to attend the wounded, he came under hostile fire from a small group of enemy concealed in a trench. Entering the trench, he closed with the enemy, killed two with bare hands and a third with his trench knife. Moving from the emplacement, he saw a concussion grenade fall in front of a companion and quickly shifting his position, shielded the man from the impact of the blast. Later, while ministering to the wounded, he was struck by a hostile bullet, but despite the wound, he undertook to evacuate a wounded comrade. As he moved down the hill with his heavy burden, he was attacked by two enemy soldiers with fixed bayonets. Closing with the aggressors, he grabbed them, smacked their heads together, then carried his helpless comrade down the hill to safety. Sergeant Bleak's dauntless courage and intrepid actions reflect utmost credit upon himself and are in keeping with the honored traditions of the military service. That... That's like something out of the movies. Oh, hey, and you know, he sat down, his, his buddy he was carrying first. Hang on, these guys are gonna try to get me with bayonets. This will just take a second. Boom! <laughs> what a stud. What an absolute stud. Killed the first two. Here's my question, Chris. Believe me, I'm not judging this man. He gets in the trench the first time and kills the first two with his bare hands the last one with the trenching knife he didn't even feel the need to pull out the knife for the first two He's, uh, i'm in a mood actually hang on he, this guy doesn't deserve a knife hang on i've been humping up this hill all freaking day i don't I, you know what i don't even want the knife you're not even getting the courtesy of the knife let me just wrap my hands around your throat so i can watch your lifeless body <laughs> what a stud What a total stud. All right. We are going to have Sean Davis on. And Sean Davis always is a wealth of information. I'm trying to unpack, and and honestly, it's difficult because of how deep the media cover-up has gone. I'm trying to unpack everything that's in these emails From Hunter Biden and everything that's in this correspondence. And now one of Hunter Biden's business partners in the Ukraine had his laptop seized and there's bad stuff on there. And the problem is, one, it's all being suppressed. Two, I'm trying to sift through the things I care about and things I don't. And let me clarify, I'm not telling you what to care about in your life. I just have this natural assumption of rich, powerful, famous people and how they live their private lives. So, yes, people have been sending me these pictures of Hunter Biden ripping cocaine lines off of some chick's butt. And you can see that and be horrified, and that's fine. I don't care. I don't care because I, don't, I only care about the country. Tell me what Joe Biden was doing. Tell me about the commie connection. Tell me about the conflicts of interest. That's what I care about. We know. Look, we know this. Hunter Biden's a screw-up. I mean, Joe Biden has all but admitted this. Lots of families have screw-ups. Joe, or Hunter Biden is, is, a, is a disaster. He's a personal disaster. So I didn't see any of this and think to myself, whoa, didn't see that coming. If if there was a picture on there of Hunter Biden in church, then I would have been shocked. That's just the stuff I naturally assume Hunter Biden does. And you know what? That's the stuff I assume other rich, powerful people do, too. That's what they do. What do they do? Whatever they want. Part of being rich and powerful. I want to know how deep the Chinese claws are into Joe Biden, and they look really deep. And that that's what I hate, having to sift through what I care about and what I don't. The media is burying it. Okay, that makes it harder. And then people on the right, all over the place, are only talking about Hunter Biden doing cocaine or, or with some Eastern European hookers. Okay, f- I don't care. I want to give me the stuff that's going to potentially change the United States of America. And that could be if the communist Chinese have their fingers in the next president of the United States of America, that's a big deal, especially considering China's aggression towards us and how resentful they are about Trump coming back at them, what their plans are for the next eight years. What if they have an American president they can put a phone call into to say, oh, by the way, you need to back off here or we release this. That's a big deal. That's a lot bigger deal than Hunter Biden's extracurricular activities. All right, we'll ask Sean about it. Hang on. Gold, you need some of it. And, you know, I don't talk very much about the benefits, the little things you get when you choose to work with Gold Alliance. One, they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. That's incredible. That means they have a long, established record of treating people well. That's really cool. Two, you can get up to $5,000 in free gold and silver coins for a purchase through a qualified retirement account. That's awesome. That's awesome. But more than anything else, what are we talking about here? We're talking about protecting the money you've worked hard for, protecting it from something terrible happening to it that's not your fault. I'm glad you're investing. Good. Keep investing. Fine. Just make sure a gold IRA from Gold Alliance is part of that. Go to goldalliance.com slash Again, that's goldalliance.com slash Jesse. Joining me now to unpack this stuff because I'm trying to make sense of it, co founder of the Federalist, Sean Davis. Sean, I I mean, obviously not telling you or anyone else what to care about. I don't care about Hunter Biden ripping lines of cocaine off a Ukrainian hooker. I do care how deep China's claws are into his father. What do these show us about that?
11: I think you're exactly right. Hunter is clearly a broken dude, a complete mess. Um, But but the issue with him is not that he's this drug-addled mess. It's that he was the apparent middleman for a scheme uh, by foreign uh, interferers to take the media term du jour to funnel money uh, over to the Biden family in exchange for access to the White House, to to Biden's power. And I think that's what we're really seeing. And what I believe is just the first and very small of a much larger uh, batch of emails and evidence coming out showing that you had these foreign officials just showering money on Hunter Biden. And, And to the extent that his foibles, his personal failings irrelevant it's because no one in their right mind would give that guy money to do anything let alone give him millions of dollars in these massive global schemes that require all kinds of business acumen and experience and talent which uh this guy simply doesn't have which leaves us with only one explanation for why he's getting the money and it's because he's joe biden's son
1: what do we actually have so far sean and what do you believe is coming uh,
11: so that that one's that one's a little tricky for me to answer. I think what we have so far are are emails and text messages. Um, the most damning so far from Chinese uh, uh, energy officials, mm. uh, basically talking about mm. giving a cut of money uh, to the to the Biden family to do this or that in the uh, in the energy sector, and it, and it recalls. Hunter Biden's involvement at Burisma, this Ukrainian energy concern, he was getting paid a million dollars a year, something like $83,000 a month uh, to be on the board of this massive multi-billion dollar energy conglomerate when the guy has no experience in it at all. And it's just so obvious uh, that he and his business partners were targeted and were showered with cash and gifts and loans and this and that because the people who were giving them that cash assumed and believed they would get access to the Biden White House and be able to uh, mess with the levers of power in exchange for that money. And that is a huge, huge problem for Biden, especially since we've been told by the corrupt media for four years that Trump is a Russian agent because one time someone connected him thought of maybe licensing uh, the Trump name to a tower in Moscow. I mean, that is nothing in comparison to what we already know about what Hunter Biden uh, and his friends did while his dad was in the White House.
1: Do we have evidence, or do we have things we can assume that it was effective? Them trying to gain access to Joe Biden—were they effective in that? Are there? Are there? Is there something out there that we're looking and we're like, oh, I can see why that happened now.
11: I mean, we we actually had—if you recall—the whole impeachment was about mm-hmm. Trump saying, you know, maybe this, uh, maybe this stuff in Ukraine involving the Bidens isn't a good deal, and someone should look at it. At that point, we had officials at the State Department, which is not exactly a bastion of Trump supporters or conservatives, raising uh, alarms and red flags about Hunter Biden saying, hey, we're backing this company, Burisma. Organizations that we back are in bed with them, and we're really, really concerned uh, that there's some improper influence going on here between uh, Hunter Biden and the White House and Burisma. Um, I have no doubt that that was repeated across the board. Look, Hunter Biden does not get on a plane on his own and get meetings with with billionaire Chinese uh, energy tycoons and be showered with cash because he's this uh, amazing Elon Musk-esque energy prodigy who can just solve the world's energy uh, crisis and problems just through his sheer acumen. The guy is a total screw-up. He has always been a screw-up. And look, we all have screw-ups in our lives. Some of us are the screw-ups. Uh, But the thing about that is those people don't end up in those positions unless they have something to offer. And in this case, what Hunter had to offer was access to Joe Biden's White House.
1: Sean... Is the Biden campaign, are they going to be able, with two weeks left of the election, 15 days, are they going to be able to run out the clock on this? I understand what big tech's doing. I understand the media is doing everything they can to keep this down. But I'm now seeing it start to squirt out on CBS News and whatnot. There are stories that get too big to be <coughs> suppressed. Are they going to be able to keep this suppressed?
11: Oh, see, see, that I think we probably disagree there. I, I, I don't think anything anymore— Given the media control of what happens on TV and on air and big text control of what we see, I don't think anything is too big for them to suppress. Yeah. I mean yeah. they suppressed for four years the fact that it was Hillary colluding with corrupt Russian, <laughs> Russian spies yeah, that's to interfere great. in the election. So, no, I think they're absolutely going to run out the clock. We're going to see a performance from the moderator in this debate on Thursday that would make Candy Crowley in, in 2012 and Romney
1: blush. Sean, I actually asked someone else this earlier and I need I need I need a solution here. You're probably the smartest person I know. What does the GOP need to do in presidential debates in the future? To avoid this, I feel every single time a presidential election is coming up, we have these negotiations between the Republicans and the Democrats, and we still end up with three obvious card carrying leftists moderating every single debate. Remember, Republicans, I still remember this, Sean, were celebrating Chris Wallace. I heard multiple Republicans beforehand say, well, that was our win. At least we got Chris Wallace. Now we clearly have to do something different. Do we stop debating? Do we get tougher? What are we doing wrong?
11: Well, I'm reminded of the uh, the early '80s uh, Cold War film with with Michael uh, Matthew Broderick, War Games, mm-hmm. uh, where they're talking about the risk of global thermo- thermonuclear warfare, and the computer simulation says in there that the only winning move is not to play. I, I think that's that's what you have to do with these debates. You got to nuke the stupid. Commission on presidential base from from orbit. It's a bunch of corrupt left wing uh, dinosaurs who have no idea what they're doing, no understanding of media. Their whole goal is to just cook the books for uh, whichever Democrat is running. I think you need to nuke that entire uh, that thing from orbit and just say, look, uh, I'm happy to do debates. Maybe we'll do it with Rogan. Maybe we'll do it online. Maybe we'll do something here, but no more of this top-down Washington establishment by swamp creatures who've been there for 200 years running this thing. you, you just got to nuke the thing entirely and say, no, 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 we're, we're not doing that. We're, we're starting from the ground up. We're starting the whole debate thing here from scratch. And, and these bunch of chuckleheads over here are no longer calling the shots on it.
1: Sean, I, I can't believe I'm going to ask you this question again, but uh, where, where's where's Bill Barr? Is he still working? Is he st- He is still employed, right?
11: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We're Bill Barr and, and Chris White- Ray. I mean, we, mm-hmm. were, we were promised all these things. You're going to know before the election what happened with the Russian collusion hoax. They're, you know, this thing's proceeding uh, as it should. And then, yeah, nothing. It's just been all talk. It's been all big talk and all promises and no action, and it's infuriating
3: it's
1: how am i supposed to come to any other conclusion sean but that they're stalling until the election's over and the hopes that biden wins and rubs it all away i don't want to be conspiracy theorist. i really don't want to be that guy what else am i supposed to take from this man no
11: you're exactly right I, I think it would almost be a conspiracy theory to believe anything other and i i personally don't have the faith required uh to believe that this is being done for any other reason than to hope that Biden just gets across the finish line, that's, that's clearly what uh Chris Ray is up to, and I hope, regardless of what happens uh in the election, that the day after Trump fires Chris Ray, do you think he will? That, that guy needs to go. Do you think he will? Man, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if you saw how he cleaned up over at, at DNI, he put Grinnell in there as acting, he brought in Ratcliffe after he was confirmed. I would love to see uh Chris Ray. Uh, canned the the morning after the election and regardless of what happens, put Grinnell in there to go fix that place and clean out that rat's nest uh, until we get a permanent Senate confirmed person in there to,
1: to replace Ooh, Ray. I like that. Sean Davis, co-founder of Federalist. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. We're asking, let's keep in mind, we are asking Donald Trump to do a monumental task and clean out something that has for years been filling up with sewage. However, somebody better get fired after this election if he wins. Lots of people. Hang on. title theft if it happens to you you will remember my voice you will remember me talking about it and you will think to yourself oh why didn't i get home title lock.com home title lock is the only thing standing between you and these cyber thieves i wish this wasn't the case i wish cyber thieves didn't exist i wish there was a way that they had locked down these online home titles by now so that yours can't be touched but they haven't because if it's online, if it's on the internet, cyber thieves will find a way to get to it. Your home title isn't safe, and it is your biggest financial vulnerability. They will steal it. They will forge your signature on it. They'll take a loan out against it, and you, not your home insurance, you, you're going to pay that loan back. Go to HometitleLock.com and sign up and protect yourself. HometitleLock.com. Use the code radio, though. Get yourself 30 days of free protection. Chris asked me if I think the Democrats would have been better off running Bernie, which I mean, look, I guess we're going to find out in 15 days, but I'm, I'm still firmly in the position that Trump is going to win. I believe he's actually probably going to win solidly. And the answer to my question to Chris is yes, because I have this belief when it comes to presidential politics. And I think history proves me correct. As you've heard me say before, presidents get reelected. They do. And the outliers you point out to me prove my point. George H.W. Bush. The only time in recent history we had a third-party candidate that took significant votes away from the sitting president. Significant votes away. Bill Clinton's not president without Ross Perot, period. George H.W. Bush goes right back into office. Uh, what about Jimmy Carter? Okay, an outlier of a horrific presidency that had American citizens waiting in line for gas and interest rates over 20%. If you have an economic disaster like that on your hands, you're not getting reelected. We don't to have that right now. Sitting presidents get reelected. But here's what happens, and each party does this. We do it, too. We did it with Obama, but this is what happens. Obama's actually a great example. Obama gets reelected. We are miserable, right? You remember how miserable that eight years was? But for the first four years, we're miserable, and everything he does sucks and he's this, he's just this hardcore leftist. And I was out there trying to like some things he did, and everything sucks. And so you work yourself up into a lather and you convince yourself that lots of other people hate this guy as much as I hate him. So here's what we need to do. We're so desperate to win that we can't afford to take a chance on somebody. Go with the safest pick as humanly possible, because they everyone hates him and surely they're going to vote him out of office as long as we vote for somebody safe, as long as we nominate somebody safe, then they'll pick that guy and bounce Barack Obama. Except people don't hate him like you hate him and I hate him. And Democrats have done this exact same thing. Every party does this every time. They've worked themselves up into this four-year lather of Donald Trump as the Nazi Himmler, Hitler, Antichrist, the world's ending. Ah, everybody hates his guts. Everyone hates him. Everyone hates him so much. Let's just whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't need these crazy people. We don't need. We don't need Bernie or Elizabeth Warren or or Buttigieg or anything. He's got. Let look. Joe Biden's the safe pick. All we have to do is nominate the safe pick, and the safe pick, that'll be enough to beat Trump because everybody hates Trump the way you and I hate Trump. In order to unseat a sitting president, it takes a lot, but you had better swing for the fences with your pick. You cannot afford to nominate a singles hitter and try to work your way around the bases to be president of the United States. When you're taking on a man who has the power of the office, that's another thing. Everything he does now is campaigning. He's on TV. He's signing peace deals. He's doing veterans things. He's doing speeches. He's... He's getting off Air Force One, surrounded by Secret Service agents. He looks like the president. If you're going to get him out of that seat, you have to root him out of that seat, and it's going to take big chances. Do I think Bernie Sanders could win the presidency? Probably not. Seems insane to me. Probably flame out and get slaughtered. But I think it would be your best shot. Because you're swinging for the fences. Maybe he does steal enough voters here or enough voters there. I know it seems crazy. I know Bernie, nobody, nobody's going to elect a socialist. You have to take big chances. And you're going to watch the Republican Party do this exact same thing the next time there's a Democrat president. We're going to hate him or her. For four years. And we're going to work ourselves up in a lather. And we're going to convince ourselves that everyone hates him the way we hate him. And, geez, just give us the next, uh, 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 just get, is there a senator that's been around for 9,000 years? Oh, there is. He seems safe. Let's get, oh, we need safe. Let's, let's just get someone, let's get another Mitt Romney. He's very safe, right? You have to hit a grand slam to unseat the sitting president. Democrats did the same thing we did when we nominated Mitt Romney you threw up a singles hitter when you needed a grand slam it's that simple man are we gonna delete this podcast if Biden wins
3: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at do I have That's do I have Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
1: We oftentimes play it safe when we shouldn't human nature to do so I am a bit of a risk taker as we've gone over in my own life I go all in take big risks so I as somebody like that I can see when people play it safe and don't get me wrong oftentimes playing it safe is the right call don't do what I do that did not work out quite a lot but you're a political party you can't safe your way into unseating a sitting president that's why Joe Biden's gonna lose he is he was safe Uh, you made the big donors happy just just don't make any mistakes you can't do that alright we're gonna have a lot of fun this week that's all That's 888 84 jesse or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
7: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a
5: vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call eight hundred three 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 four Kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include ten year one hundred thousand mile powertrain and five year sixty thousand mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
1: The big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the
0: world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets